0: Everybody, it's Jeannie Faulkner, and you're listening to Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting, the podcast, where we have smart conversations about pregnancy, parenting, healthcare, politics, feminism, and then some. I started this conversation with my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, which you can pick up everywhere. And then, since we still had so much to cover about this big, big topic of being parents in this world at this time, I kept it all going with the podcast. And this is where we talk about all kinds of stuff that's pertinent to parents, healthcare providers, families, women, you know, all of us. Okay, um... What do I want to do first today is, you know what, I think I want to cover current events and a listener email all at the same time. And this comes from, this email came from Nicole and it's titled Portland Air Quality. Yep, you guys, I'm in Portland, Oregon, and our air quality has been horrible lately because of the Eagle Creek fires, which are burning really, really nearby. Um, since I got this letter, things have improved quite a bit because it's raining in Portland. So let me read Nicole's email. Hi, thank you for your podcast. As I listen to them weekly, I am pregnant with my second child and will be 24 weeks this Sunday. My doctor originally approved my trip to Portland with my husband next Thursday, but now she changed her mind this week with the news of the fires and the air quality. Is this a huge concern, and should I not travel there late next week due to the poor air quality? Do you have any advice? We're coming from Houston, so we're looking forward to having a nice long weekend getaway after Hurricane Harvey, as well as before our second child arrives later in December. Thanks. Oh, hey, Nicole. You know what? I, I'm pretty sure I got your email after your weekend travel date, but I can confirm that Portland air quality has been horrible. It was so bad uh, this past weekend, which is the one I think you were traveling over, that we couldn't see clearly down the street. Um, The good news is that it's been raining since Monday, and that's put out a lot of the fires and cleaned up our air quality. So now it's back to being clean and cool. So there are a few things I'd like to talk about here about your letter. 24 weeks and pregnant with number two. Congratulations, 24 weeks usually feels pretty good for most women. You know, you're you're big enough to definitely look pregnant, but not so big that you need a support team to help you roll over at night. Baby is kicking, but not so hard that it feels uncomfortable. I think, yeah, 24 weeks is a really good point for a lot of women in their pregnancy. It's also a really good time to travel too, because, you know, you're not so huge that the size of the baby is going to compress veins and arteries in your um, pelvic area. It's not that difficult to get up and out of a seat. You can get up to the bathroom whenever you want to. And the air travel time between Portland and Texas isn't all that horribly long. Um, so yeah, seemed like a good time for a trip, right? Next, you say that your doctor approved your trip and then changed her mind. And I really like that you're not taking her word as the final say-so. Um because it shows me that you're making your own choices and using your doctor as a consultant, which is exactly the relationship you should have with your physician. She doesn't make the decisions. She's not in charge of you. You make the decisions, you're in charge. She provides her opinion and the benefits of her years of education, training, and expertise. But the choices you make throughout your prenatal care and your pregnancy are up to you. Even, you know, in a lot of situations, they're presented as orders or demands or in a, my doctor says I have to kind of way. Um, Even then, every bit of your prenatal care is really, you know, it's kind of up to you. You get to make those decisions. And most of the time, in most situations, going along for the ride and making decisions uh, together with your prenatal care team, your doctor, your midwife, your nurse's, it, it goes pretty smoothly most of the time but then there are times when you bump heads and in those situations remember who's in charge it's not your doctor it's you now about that air quality would it be unhealthy or somehow cause you harm well yeah i suppose it's possible um it's been really smoky and especially if you have you know any kind of breathing disorders or anything like that you know it's been it's been challenging but there are plenty of pregnant women here in Portland right now, and they mostly seem to be okay. Um, I was born in the sixties in Los Angeles when air quality was really terrible. I lived near the beach and we could look out over the horizon and it was just normal to see a Brown stripe on the horizon. Um, and we all knew the air was polluted and that's certainly not the best and healthiest situation to breathe smoky polluted air, but most of us have turned out okay. Um, You know, air quality is a huge concern all over the world in many countries. And, um, it's not ideal. It's definitely a situation we should be addressing, but you know what? I don't know that it's a huge catastrophe. So, um, or I mean, in terms of causing a crisis to your pregnancy. Uh, so I'd love to hear what you did in Portland. I hope you are doing well in Texas and drying out after Harvey and I hope, Nicole, that all things go smoothly for you on your upcoming birth. Stay in touch, okay? Um, Now I want to switch gears. Let's get our guest on the phone. We're going to talk about something that's been really instrumental in my life in helping me do my thing. It's always on the list of self-care, you know, things that you're supposed to do to have a better life, better health and all that. But it's not something that's usually, you know, recommended or prescribed as something you should do to improve your maternal health or your parenting experience. And I'm talking about meditation. Now, I've been meditating regularly for, oh, gosh, 10 years or more now. And I started at a time in my, my life when I was searching for a more spiritual direction. And I I can't really remember what the crisis was at the time or which kid was doing what or what job situation I was in or what health crisis was throwing me off. I don't remember exactly what was happening at that point, but I remember I needed something. And as often happens, I met the right person who told me about a local meditation center. um, And that's where I learned a few basic techniques and found a meditation community. And since then, been quite a number of years now. I meditate most days and I find that on the days that I don't meditate, um, things are a little harder, no matter what job I'm trying to do, you know, as a writer or a podcaster or a parent or a friend or, you know, a wife or, you know, the person who's in charge of washing the dishes on the days that I don't meditate, things are a little harder when I do work, whatever my work in the world is that day is easier everything is clearer it's better it's important to me and that's why this week I want to talk to someone who is all about maternal health and meditation let's get Mark Krasner founder of a new app called Expectful on the line hello hi Mark it's Jeannie how are you
1: I'm good Jeannie how are you
0: I'm doing really really well except for it's freezing cold here in Portland. It's 49 degrees and it's not even fall yet. So I'm whining, I'm whining about it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, yeah. I'll give you full permission. It, sometimes that could really help to let it pass.
0: <laughs> it really can, yeah. Uh-huh. So where are you in the world at this moment?
1: I am in Brooklyn, New York, in uh, a neighborhood called Williamsburg.
0: One of my favorite spots. I love Brooklyn, I love yeah. New York.
1: People <laughs> say it's a lot like Portland.
0: Yeah, they do. I think that that's probably true. It's, um, you know, kind of people also say that both Williamsburg and Portland are a lot like European cities, you know, a lot of shops on the, on the road, a lot of, yeah, just similar.
1: Mm. similar,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, what I'd like to do now that we've kind of, you know, placed our dots on the map is I want to read your about me section and then I want to start asking you a couple questions. Cool.
1: Sounds great.
0: All right, cool. Mark Krasner is a self-proclaimed single man with no kids who found meditation while in his 20s. Now, he's the founder and CEO of Expectful, a meditation app created just for pregnant women, mothers, and parents. Mark has also founded a not-for-profit that provides lunch to underserved elementary school kids in the Philippines each day and founded and ran a small company in the medical mobility space. He also sits on the board of kindness.org. I love that. You've got a great little bio there. It's just, it's inspiring. I like
1: it. Uh, Thanks. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. So now I get to ask you the first hard question, which is this, who are you and what do you do?
1: Mm. Uh, that first question has so many answers depending on, on how one might choose to answer it. But I'll, I'll just say that, uh, I'm a 33 year old guy in Brooklyn who's really passionate about meditation and, uh, the friends and people that are around him. And what I do is, is I, uh, as you mentioned, the, uh, founder and CEO of a company called Expectful, a science-based brand that's making it really easy for women that are trying to conceive pregnant in. New moms to meditate through guided meditation, and it's our simple idea to make meditation as common as prenatal vitamins.
0: And what else? What else do you do when you're not when you're not focused on working or meditation?
1: Oh my gosh, uh, I uh, love to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm uh, out, out actually out west as often as I can. I love surfing and riding waves. So um, every opportunity I can, I'm out I'm out doing that. And I'm also a, uh, a personal development junkie. So, anything that I could do to learn how to make my life better or see the world in new ways, I mm-hmm. will do it. I will, I'll take part. Um, it's something I'm, I'm just like really into is consciousness and also how to help other people uh, change their view of the world for, for the better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So, sounds like you're in a pretty good place.
1: Thanks. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say so. It's, um, it, it actually all started with meditation. So,
0: well, that's what I was going to ask you next. Tell me your meditation story.
1: How I got into meditation? Yeah. Okay. Well, it actually, uh, it started with a breakup. <laughs> I, um, I, I, was, I was living with somebody uh, that I love very much, but uh, it, it wasn't the right relationship for me or, or my partner at the time. And um, the relationship was going down south pretty quickly. Mm. And uh, my partner, Jesse, uh, then took a meditation course um, because she was so stressed uh, to try to help try to hoping it would help her cope with everything and when she got done with the course I asked her what she learned and she told me and it was actually you know the practice of meditation seemed quite easy to me and I adopted it myself and within a week the relationship had completely disintegrated uh, but I clung to my meditation practice very tightly hoping it would help with all the uncomfortable feelings that arose as a result of uh, of very, very, very challenging breakups. It was one of the toughest times of my entire life. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember biking to an appointment about six weeks into my practice, unsure if, if meditation was actually really doing something for me. And I was running late to this appointment, and I pulled my bike up outside the building, and I went to go lock it with a wire lock. And I had a hard time getting one side of the lock to connect to the other. Uh, One side of the lock was getting jammed in the other side of it, and the pieces weren't connecting, and I was running late. And I very clearly remember noticing that this was the type of situation that I'd normally get very frustrated in. I would let anger and frustration overcome me, and I normally would have started grunting and jamming two sides of the lock together as hard as I could to try to make it fit. Uh, And in this situation, I just remember noticing that uh, those feelings were beginning to bubble up inside me. And I had a conscious moment where I said, oh, I don't want to get frustrated or angry. Mm. And I took a deeper breath and I focused more intently on the lock. And instead of jamming it together or trying to force it, I actually slowed down. Hmm. And I then made the two pieces come together uh, very shortly thereafter. And, and when I touched the handle to the door of the building that I was walking into, I said to myself, oh my gosh, that whole situation occurred completely differently because I was meditating. It was, it was really showing up in my life. And Mm -hmm. it was from that point that uh, I really doubled down on my practice because I saw how it could really change uh, my experience of the life that I was living.
0: Mm. And you created your own metaphor for life, a bike lock, two parts, not fitting together. Yeah. (laughs)
1: That's right. right Yeah. yeah, Exactly. Yeah.
0: So you're, you're 10 years in, how has your How is your practice and your experience of meditation changed?
1: Um, you know over time, um, I've noticed that it's just it's become something that's become a lot more enjoyable for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I first started it, I was doing it, and i yeah I was kind of fighting through it a little bit. you know it wasn't the most comfortable thing for me to sit and be with all my thoughts and and try to let go and, and be with the meditation and now it's very often times people ask me oh what's been the best it's a question i actually like to ask a lot of people what's been the best part of your day today and when it, that question's asked back to me i oftentimes find myself saying all oh, my morning meditation because mm-hmm. uh, it's mm-hmm. been so, it's such a pleasurable enjoyable experience for me
0: yeah 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 so why parents and mothers
1: So as I mentioned, uh, in the beginning of the intro, uh, I have a mom who struggled with anxiety and depression and it it just had this enormous impact on my life. And I don't know if you've ever heard of that story by the novelist named David Foster Wallace about the two fish swimming around in the water. Uh, they swim past. Okay. So there's two fish swimming around in the water and they swim by an older fish and in passing the older fish says, Oh, good morning boys. How's the water? And as the two fish swim on, one fish turns to the other and says, well, what the hell is water?" and when I started meditating that I sort of had a moment like that where I started to get real insight into all the thoughts that I was thinking that affected the ways that I was feeling, and I realized that the the way that I saw the world and the way that I was thinking it wasn't harmonious with the way that I wanted to be mm-hmm. and uh when I, I realized that a lot of that had to do with my childhood and my upbringing and and my family and challenges that I faced as as a, as a young adult, and so fast forward about five years, we've said ten before. It was five years total that I've, I've been meditating, ah. and, and my life just looks completely different from the way that it did before. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just really grateful to be able to see the world uh, in a new way. Mm-hmm. And to have new people in my life and, you know, all, everything that, everything that I do in my life is completely shifted. And, and it's for a lot of reasons, but meditation was the foundation mm-hmm. of that. And, and one of the things that changed when I started meditating is I thought a lot about the work that I was doing. And I, I had this like really deep desire to have more purpose in my work. I'd started another business um, we manufactured a medical mobility device for people with foot and ankle injuries, and it's great business. We, we did really right by our customers and treated our team very well. Uh, but I, it felt like something was missing for me. I didn't feel like I was adding unique value to the world or doing anything that would really, really benefit humanity. And uh, this this came up as a result of my meditation practice, and uh, I started to think about how I wanted to make an impact, and and one of the ways was through meditation. And I surveyed the landscape and I said, oh, wow, there's this great app out there for your listeners that don't, haven't heard of Headspace. It's an amazing app to help people learn. And there's other ones out there like Calm.com and all these things that are just doing a great job of teaching somebody who doesn't know how to meditate, how to meditate, or helping them achieve that. And lots mm-hmm. of great teachers out there like my teacher, Emily. Um, and so it didn't seem like the right place for me. Um, but I started researching how meditation affected children. Because the thought that I had is like, wow, imagine I had this tool when I was younger. How would my life look today if I started much sooner? Mm-hmm. When I was doing that research, I found these breadcrumbs on meditation during pregnancy. Oh, I said, oh, that's so interesting. You know, I want to learn more about that. And so I started to see what people were saying online about meditation during pregnancy. And I just came up really short, Jeannie. Like, I was shocked mm-hmm. that all the content on the topic lacked substance, what was available at the time. Mm-hmm. And I just I had a feeling that there was something more It just made sense to me that I know I personally feel different in my body. Jeannie, you're a meditator as well. Yes,
0: I am. Yeah, yeah, for a long time.
1: Yeah. And so like in your body, do you it's not just uh, I think a lot of people haven't meditated, just think your thoughts change. But do you actually feel a difference in your physiology as well as a result of your practice?
0: Um, you know, yes, I think so. Um, for me, it's a different experience. I've been at it for a real long time, 10 or 12 years now, mm-hmm. and what it does um, at varying stages is allows a greater of acceptance mm. of the physiology that happens, or it um, opens up a new way of dealing with something, you know, mm-hmm. it, it opens doors so that you can find what you need, whether that's acceptance or a change or something like
1: that. Mm. Yeah, Absolutely absolutely yeah. Yeah. and i just intuitively like that that the kind of experience that you have with meditation mm-hmm. and the one that i had it's just intuitively that if a woman's pregnant the thought was like wow gosh that has to be so good for the baby mm-hmm. to experience that while in utero and I, and I hired a phd student and i had her look into all the available research on the topic of meditation during pregnancy and I also said, also what are people saying about stress and anxiety during pregnancy what's the research there and when she got back to me I read there's just a healthy body of research, a small but healthy body of research that shows meditation does all sorts of great things for a pregnancy, like Mm -hmm. reduce the chances of preterm birth, reduce the chances of, uh, postpartum depression, um, creates an environment that's where a woman's more likely to conceive a baby who's happier and healthier. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was just really profound to read. And, And what really opened my eyes also was, um, the stuff on stress and anxiety and, uh, the research shows that high levels of chronic stress and anxiety uh, can increase risk factors in a pregnancy and one of those risk factors is ADHD which is something that I grew up with mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so suddenly I read about that and I said oh my gosh you know mom struggle with a lot of anxiety during pregnancy uh, ADHD is one of the major risk factors it's something I have it's something I really struggle with it throughout my academic career uh, I thought I grew up thinking I'd have a blue-collar job for the rest of my life not because there's anything wrong with it but I just didn't think I'd have any other options available to me because I right. struggled so much and it really hit home. And I thought, wow, if mom knew that there was this tool out there that could give me a better start in life and was you know, able to practice in a way that was really easy for her, maybe my life might look different. Maybe I wouldn't have ADHD. Whoa, imagine. And then the thought that I had after that was, oh, okay, like ADHD, That w- it would be amazing not to have grown up with that, but Wow. You know, meditation was such an enormous agent of change in my life. Imagine if it was an agent of change in mom's life. Maybe she would have started because she had the impetus to, because she was pregnant with me, but maybe it would have right. transformed her life. Right. And then the third thought was like, Oh my gosh, what would it have been like to grow up with a mom who was more likely to just be present with a mom with the meditation right. practice and all the good things that come with that? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I put all those things together and I just was like, Wow, like there's so many possibilities here. And I decided to start Expectful with the goal of making meditation as common as prenatal vitamins. Nice. Yeah. 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 Has it
0: transformed your relationship with your mother?
1: I would say, I I don't know that Expectful has, you know, because Expectful, I had the idea about two years ago, uh, and my mom and I have done like, you know, we've come such a long way because I used to be upset with her because she had these challenges, you know, there, um, and, and the effect that it had on my life, but what I've been able to come to is, is just the opposite of, of upset, but actually come with like tons of compassion and love. Mm -hmm. And yeah, our relationship is like completely transformed. We have a, such a beautiful relationship and there's nothing like between us, you know, some Mm -hmm. relationships, there's people stand, people love each other, but there's something between that love, Mm -hmm. you know, and today it's like, there's nothing between the love that my mom and I share. And it's like such an incredible gift.
0: Hmm. the hidden benefits of meditation
1: yeah yeah absolutely Is but it, Jeannie real quick if I could jump in I just I just mentioned you know stress and anxiety you know can lead to an increase in risk factors and mm-hmm. I just I know your listeners a lot of women listening right now are likely pregnant right and more,
0: I, more than likely yeah more than
1: likely yes and so here's <laughs> yeah. what for, for you listening for for if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're pregnant I want to share that you, there's something in the placenta, in your placenta. It's an enzyme that actually blocks the majority of the cortisol, which is the chemical your body produces when you're under stress to keep your baby safe. So, if you're experiencing like average stress in your life or you go through a stressful experience, I don't want you to think that you're harming your baby as a result of that right. because that's right. not what the research shows. Right. Um, it's just, you know, if, if, you, if you are experiencing really high levels of chronic stress, then there's an opportunity for you to maybe do something to help manage that. Um, right. But I just didn't want your listeners to think that, oh, my gosh, like, you know, uh, you know I Like had I'm an,
0: damaging my baby. I'm yeah. damaging
1: my baby because I had an argument with my husband or I have a little bit of stress at work. Right, You know, right. So I just just want to preface that because it's such an important thing. It's a brand. And expect if you go to our site, we don't even discuss the negatives. We just talk about all the positives that meditation could bring into your life. And that's definitely where I'd like to be focusing on on this call as well, because I think that's where, yeah. where the most benefit is for everybody that's listening.
0: I think that's a really important distinction and shift of perception because so often women are given a lot of information that they're very, very fragile mm-hmm. and that, you know, stress is going to tip them over. And this, you know, and the truth of the matter is, is that under normal circumstances, we're perfectly equipped physically to handle normal stress loads and a pregnancy and our career. I mean, we're fine. We're fine. Most women are fine. But then you get into some situation where it's chronic stress or, you know, it could even be that your normal work or your normal life is ridiculously stressful. You may not, you know, you were mentioning what's water. You may not even notice it, mm. you know, that that you're living that way. And when you start a meditation practice, some of that begins to dissolve. And that's helpful. That's really helpful.
1: Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly
0: right. We were talking about studies. And, um, you know, there are many studies that are mentioned on Expectful's website. And I have both deep respect for studies and I blatantly disregard them all the time. Because in some ways, you can format a study to say all kinds of things that are later refuted. Or you can you know, communicate the results of a study to make it seem really alarmist when it's actually not. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I take studies with a big grain of salt. But what's valuable about them is when they kind of validate stuff you already know, or teach you new stuff in different ways. And you wrote, I think that over the past decade, there have been hundreds of studies on the science of mindfulness and meditation, as well as the unwanted effects that stress and anxiety can have on all phases of the reproductive journey. And we've talked a little bit about that. But mm. I, I have seen, I've been in the you know maternal health arena for a really long time, like really long, decades. And I am seeing this focus on anxiety um, more than at any other time before. And I wonder somewhat, is it that we're identifying it is it that everybody is feeling more? Is it that we have more tools and we're using them? I mean, there's just so much to talk about.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's something, you know, I, I think it's a double-edged sword, genie. because the, the thing is, is when I started Expectful, it was like this realization. Oh, my gosh. So everybody's focused on a woman's body upon conception, which is great. Mm. We've actually come a really long way because – there used to be no focus even on nutrition, and people used to think mm-hmm. it was okay to drink and smoke. Actually, mm-hmm. not that long ago, during pregnancy, right? You know, right. and now it's like it's known that that stuff shouldn't. It's taboo during pregnancy. It's it's it it can possibly negative negatively impact uh, the baby, right? And right. so, and and beyond, like cigarettes and alcohol. Then again, like there's there's focus on nutrition and what could be you know what women could eat and consume prenatal vitamins and things like that to help optimize the pregnancy. How how to help. Create the healthiest baby that that you possibly can, and that's but that's the shift. It's to
0: create the healthiest baby. most yeah. of our prenatal care and most of our studies really mom isn't even in the picture mm. you know all all of the support that we provide moms nutritionally, yeah. you know all of that is because of the outcome we want her to produce, which is uh, the baby yes, yeah
1: yeah how and, do, you know how do you feel about if, that
0: um I have I would like very much for the shift to be away from um, baby focused and more Mm -hmm. onto mom focused because you can't have a healthy baby without a healthy mom. And so much of what goes into prenatal care right now is um, skewed so strongly towards all the just-in-cases and Mm what-ifs that we over-intervene in most cases in a lot of pregnancies. And we treat women like... They're a potential bomb about to go off. All of these things could possibly go wrong with you. So we're going right. to drill down until we find it. Mm-hmm. Darn it. You right. know?
1: Right. More like a disease than a like a blessing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But if yeah. we shifted that perspective and supported mom to be her healthiest because mom should be her healthiest, mm-hmm. then the outcome of that is that she's probably going to have a healthy baby. Mm-hmm. Bit, you know?
1: I agree. I agree hundred percent. I, I think yeah. it uh, to go back to the double-edged sword piece. I think <laughs> I think that it's it's a it's a mixed bag what you're saying because I really acknowledge the the challenge that we're faced with with what you're saying. And I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of truth. At the same time, it's great we're paying attention to this stuff. You know, it's it's, Certainly. it's unfortunate that the focus is going all to the baby and that the, the mom actually loses a lot of her identity and herself in the process. Uh, right. Based on sort of what society the the context in our society, uh, right? But at the same time, so
0: much context, Oh, the context. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah. So, so like, yeah, it's mixed because a cool. We're on this stuff now that it's even on the radar. Oh, challenging that it's it's within this context. Um, right. It's the same thing that you brought up with anxiety, right? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, in the past, until very recently, there was almost no focus put on emotional health and well being. Right. And you know. And even though the research shows that that can, you know, it can really impact uh, someone during that time, you know, it's, it's a, like an enormous, it's a, it could be an enormously stressful experience to carry a child, even if things are going perfectly well, and you have a supportive partner, there's identity changes, life changes, financial changes, yeah. as you know, yeah. and so I think that, again, the context is, is a bit unfortunate. And at the same time, it's really encouraging to see that there's actually some focus being put on this area, even though it's a little bit misguided. Yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, there's great stuff coming out, like, um, you know, the uh, United United States uh, Department of Preventative Health uh, or Preventative Health Task Force put something out that recommends uh, screening for postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. You know, I think yeah. that's that's awesome. You know, it's a great, yeah. it's a really great start that we're seeing. But again, a little bit, I think the way the way it's coming is a little bit fear based, unfortunately.
0: It really is. Yeah. And you know, we we have to change minds and change perspectives and slip, you know. Change the way that we look at things podcast Absol- by podcast conversation by conversation absolutely
1: by- absolutely but that i think that's one of the the opportunities that we have with expectful because mm-hmm. uh, it is science-based and mm-hmm. we've created something that is a consumer brand so if you go on the site it's it's a beautiful site uh and
0: it really is i've i've looked at it it's really lovely oh
1: thank you i appreciate that Jeannie. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and we have, like, an Instagram feed with, like, beautiful pictures of mothers and children and Mm -hmm. these moments that we capture. You know, it's a place that women who have conceived or are trying to conceive or are new moms, I think they could really find a home within what we created. I think it really resonates with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I might be biased, but that's my take. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah. Reasonable take. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. at the same time, if you look on our science page, we actually, the studies that we have on the site are something that doctors really appreciate and that they can get behind. And we're not just saying... Oh, meditation is good for your baby because it'll make you feel good and all these things. We actually show research that shows that it, it does these great things, again, like reduce postpartum depression and preterm birth and you know, stress and anxiety in general during a, during a stressful time and yeah. feelings of connection and things like that. So um, I think that the, the doctor's understanding that anxiety is challenging and it is a challenging time for a woman and seeing this research on meditation, gives us a voice in the space that's not actually fear-driven. You know, right. we're we're able to say, hey, meditation's this amazing tool to help women through this process uh, right. without without scaring anybody, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. So what's your take on our, you know, sort of our baseline national anxiety level right now? I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. there's a lot going down right now. There's floods and hurricanes and politics mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, when you're just sort of, taken the temperature Mm -hmm. what do you think what's your take
1: i think it's has to have increased significantly you think i i do believe so and i i think it's it's just a number of things i think you know as social media it just has drastically increased the number of connections that we can have with other people the amount of information Mm -hmm. that we could take in Mm -hmm. i think we have a a media that's very fear-based you know there's um this thing in our brains called the amygdala. That's we're we're trained. It's this this thing that's trained to help us look for snakes when we're picking an apple or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in today's society, it's, news news organizations understand that this thing, it, we're, our brains are programmed to be ten times more attentive to something dangerous than something safe and happy. Right. And people understand that. And so I think there's just so much more being sent our way that is firing up our our stress systems. You know constantly, uh, yeah, and there was actually research done at a Carnegie Mellon on this that showed that stress was up for men and women in the past I think fifteen years or twenty years by about twenty percent so there is there was some research on it. it was one study i don't you know I don't know how great it was for a reputable university, but yeah, without a doubt, I think that that we're just much more stressed as um as a society,
0: yeah, but. But the real benefit for for myself, at least, of adding in a meditation practice is it does help you sort of ground yourself into the immediate surroundings. Mm-hmm. Like um, I'm certainly not speaking for, you know, people in the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico and Florida and Texas right now, but where I am sitting right this moment, a hurricane is not happening to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not actually really happening to me. Take a breath, let it go, focus what, on what's real. And you can do that for whatever the crisis that's swirling around your head is. You know, at this moment, my child is not having a tantrum at this moment. Hmm. And that's that's one of the, you know, real beauties of meditation is that you recognize the moment.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. We have uh, on average, the average person has about 80,000 thoughts in a given day.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of them. That's a
1: lot of thoughts. and <laughs> About 2% of those thoughts are new thoughts.
0: Yeah, the right? rest of it is just the same old shit rolling
1: exactly. around. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. And what all meditation <laughs> does is it just it gets you present. It, it actually, all those thoughts go by, we don't think about the fact that we're thinking them. Yeah. We control how we feel. And suddenly with meditation, our, every time that we sit down and meditate, our brain is lifting a little. It's going to the gym. Yeah. And the brain is being trained to be actually cognizant of the fact that these thoughts are taking place. And, right. and it gives us space. Suddenly, we have these thoughts, but in between the thought and the response, we have a gap. You yeah. Know? And it's, yeah. you do. And it's very powerful. But the other the other thing in, in context of your audience is, is that I believe that all women have it. Well, all of us as human beings, we have intuition. We have an inner guidance system, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right there's there's a powerful thing inside us that helps that can help us make decisions if we're attuned to it and and back to your thing about stress and anxiety and what what we discussed Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people can lose touch with their intuition with their Mm -hmm. inner knowing their inner guidance system because there are so many messages coming people people's way and there is so much information and so much logic that's out there to rely on based on all the research and stuff doctors are saying and Stuff, all the, everybody has opinions that, that are just being thrown at women during pregnancy especially. And we did a survey where we asked women what their biggest challenges were during pregnancy, and one of the top was unsolicited advice. Mm-hmm. So on top of all the information that's available to women during this incredibly stressful time, there's so much advice being thrown at them. And I think a lot of people in life, and especially in pregnancy, it's easy to lose touch with that voice that's inside you that can actually really help guide you, where a lot of the mm-hmm. answers are that place inside you that makes it easier to make decisions that are really true and aligned and oftentimes right, even though they might not necessarily be completely logical. Okay. Uh, and so I yeah. see meditation as this tool to give women a set, uh, some power back in this mm-hmm. and really find the answers within themselves. You know, it's good to get as much information as you can to a degree, you know. Yeah. But I think also at the same time, it's so important for people today, and especially during pregnancy, just to listen to that to that voice inside that that actually, you know, has lots of information that it's hard for our logical brain to even comprehend.
0: Right. I agree with everything you said. Absolutely. I think one subtle distinction that I make is that we never give women power back. We allow women to take the power themselves. Mm. You know, nobody yeah. gives and takes power.
1: I love that. You just. Yes. You.
0: You. You tap into that power and you get it for yourself,
1: mm. oh yeah, profound, yeah, yeah, just like yeah. uh there's someone someone uh I know that does like a type of chiropractic work that uh-huh. I'm a big fan of, and he uh, people would refer to him as a healer, and he always stops, and he's, "I'm not a healer, I'm a healing facilitator because don't, don't, people can only a person can heal themselves, you know it's nothing I yeah, exactly. can actually give to them it's it's already inside them, right, so, yeah. yeah, you
0: do it yourself,
1: exactly, that's <laughs> right, yeah. that's right,
0: yeah. That's right. yeah. So on your wildest, most crazy optimistic day, what do you envision the world could be like if everybody took a real-life meditation break every day?
1: Thank you for that question. I, I mean, to think about that is just shocking. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what the Dalai Lama said, and I happen to agree with him. And, and it won't be verbatim, but he, he said something along the lines of, if every pregnant woman were to meditate, then all like war that exists on earth would be completely eradicated within two generations. And like, I, I just agree, I think it would just solve so many problems that we face today mm. from political conflicts, finance, um, like just you name it across the board. I think that it would just do so much to, Help benefit the world on on every single level that's out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah. What What do you think would happen if um, if everyone was um, meditating?
0: I think that we would see miracles. Mm. I do. I think that we would see if it. You know, people. Let's not say everybody, because you know, we probably need the little contrast of people who wouldn't. But let's say the majority of people mm. tapped in. Every day and, you know, pulled the resources out of themselves that they needed to get through whatever it is that is going to be their work in the world that day. Mm -hmm. And if they were sincere about it, um, I think that they would there would be a huge decrease in violence, selfishness. Um, I think there'd be a greater reflection on other people. I think we'd be kinder and more patient. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, ripple effect. Ripple Effect. That's right. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's right. So
0: Mm -hmm. shifting gears a little bit, your website says that for every subscription purchased, you'll donate one to someone in need. Mm -hmm. How does that work?
1: Uh, A number of ways. So we, we partnered with a center in New York City called the Motherhood Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're amazing. Jeannie, have you heard of them by any chance? Mm-hmm. I've heard of them, yeah. Oh, uh, they're lovely. But go ahead and tell our listeners. Please, back. yeah, yeah, of, of course. So, no, you, you, yeah, t- you yeah, tell them. Yeah. So, so the Motherhood Center is a place um, that helps women that are struggling with specifically with postpartum repression or anxiety mm-hmm. post, post-pregnancy. Uh, and what makes them so special is, is there's just so few places dedicated as like, a, a resource uh, to helping during this time. And they do this thing called what's called partial hospitalization which mm-hmm. means that people don't sleep there, but they spend a majority of a the day there, I think between like mm-hmm. eight and 10 hours. And that's actually a lot more challenging than, than having a facility that has people sleep and stay overnight. Because during that time when somebody's there, you're responsible for really keeping them busy and mm-hmm. doing things with them versus keeping them in bed. Um, and so it's, it's created by this amazing team, uh, one of whom is this woman, incredible woman named Paige Bellenbaum, who is responsible for a lot of the legislation that took place in New York to help Increase the amount of screenings that take place for postpartum depression. A very mission-driven team. And they just really help support women who are struggling during this time. It's a whole center dedicated to it. And one of the reasons that I really respect this group so much is they accept Medicaid. So they're in New York City. They're in a prime area of New York City. Uh, the connections that they have are with all the top doctors in the city. And if they wanted, they could just make all their money seeing affluent patients. Right? Mm-hmm. They, no problem. Uh, but what they do is they accept Medicaid as well, uh, and women you know, who wouldn't necessarily otherwise afford it. And I think, I don't know if they take a loss on it, but it's certainly uh, it's certainly something that they don't have to do, that they're choosing to do because they really care. Uh, and it's beautiful. It's, just, it's this amazing center. So anyway, uh, when I found out that they had a Medicaid population, I said, hey, we want to partner with you and provide any of your patients that are low-income a uh, free subscription of Expectful. And so that's something that we do with the Motherhood Center. Uh, And on top of that, we also um, offer anybody that we hear about, um, we offer a free subscription to if they can't afford it. So we've had doulas contact us uh, and midwives contact us about uh, their clients that wouldn't otherwise be able to afford a subscription or be challenging and we give it out. Uh, And also if anyone ever emails us, we we email anytime somebody unsubscribes from the platform, subscription Mm -hmm. platform, anytime Mm -hmm. we ever hear that the reason that the person unsubscribed is financial, uh, we respond and we tell that hey, we offer them a free subscription to the platform uh, as well. Yeah, but we are. If anybody's listening to this and they know of really good partners, people who mm-hmm. have a, a low income population that happens to be English speaking because the platform is, a, is an English speaking platform, we would love mm-hmm. to know and, and partner. We we do have um, we have more subscriptions coming in that are paid than ones that we're giving out that are free. Um, we, we, we never turn anybody away. So if you're listening to this and you're low income, you, you'd have a hard time affording it, or you're part of an organization that could use these subscriptions for um, the people that you work with, please uh, let me know. My email is marketexpectful.com and love to hear from you.
0: Great. Yeah. yeah. I have some ideas for you, and I'll give oh, them to you offline. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's your answer to the question, is meditation the same as prayer?
1: Huh. Uh, I think that, so in, in our brains, Right. If you consider it, let's, let's, let's use analogy or metaphor. Think of a brain as a file cabinet. Mm
0: -hmm. Right.
1: And, um, in that file cabinet, you have different files. Okay. And let's, let's say there's a a file called prayer and there's a file called meditation. They'd be really close together in that file cabinet if it was organized properly. Right. Mm -hmm. They seem similar. Um, so I think it's, it's easy to get the two confused, but I'd say what the difference is in the meditation file is it's something that's happening that, You don't necessarily have a particular intention or outcome there isn't any necessarily like meaning being put on the thing that you're doing it Mm -hmm. it, depending on the type of meditation that you practice um but i would say that meditation is simply actually letting go of meaning is taking the meaning out of things and just being let's Mm -hmm. say with your breath whereas Mm -hmm. to me prayer is something with a very specific intention that you're doing um for some type of um I suppose there is a desired outcome with meditation, but it's generally to clear the mind, uh, to get a sense of relaxation, which can be derived from prayer. But I think the intention with prayer is oftentimes to give thanks, you know, to have mm-hmm. specific gratitude, or um, to pray for some type of outcome to happen, you know, yeah. whereas meditation is actually letting go um, mm-hmm. of all that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. For those who aren't yet meditating, mm-hmm. you know, there's a perception that it's really hard, that you have to clear your mind. I mean, all of the things we've always heard. How do we convince them to start?
1: Mm, I think that's the most common misconception that people have is I think the reason people don't start is because they, or people start and they think that they can't do it right. because I couldn't clear my mind. I couldn't stop thinking, right? right. And so right. I, I define meditation a little bit differently than than, uh, most people would when I say meditation is is the way I put is it's an attempt to focus the mind on one thing for a predetermined amount of time Mm -hmm. simply that and so for example let's say the breath let's say the breath is something you want to focus on for five minutes that you want to attempt to focus on for five minutes right so Mm -hmm. let's say that's somebody's never meditated before and it's that's their goal okay I'm going to spend five minutes I'm going to attempt to focus on my breathing okay Mm-hmm. And so inevitably, what happens is, is somebody will sit to meditate, and they'll go, they'll focus on their breath, and suddenly they'll start to think about their job, right, or their partner, right. or something comes into their mind, and they go, oh, I'm thinking about this thing. They make it wrong. They right. Suddenly, oh, I, I'm thinking about it. It's wrong. I need to refocus on my breath. And and eventually, if a person thinks that it's wrong to think during meditation, they're going to think that they can't do it. Something that they're failing right. at—it's not fun for them, right? But the thing is, right. is just, just—and my meditation teacher Emily says this also. She's part of Expectful as well, um, in our videos, and, and she's a meditation expert who helped create a lot of the meditations. Um, you know, you just like you can't give your heart a command to stop beating. You can't give your mind a command to stop thinking. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, monks could meditate for twenty years, and they're still very, 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 very likely to have a thought or many thoughts right. during meditation. So I think the key word is attempt. So the attempt to focus on one thing for a predetermined amount of time. What I say is, if you're meditating, you're focusing on your breath, and suddenly you realize that you're thinking about something other than your breath, in that moment, that is actually the the benefit of meditation happening there. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. suddenly, again, you have all these thoughts going through every single day that you normally don't think about, and suddenly you're realizing that you're thinking about it. And in that moment, your brain is lifting a weight. Your brain is lifting weight every time you realize you're having a thought so i think for for those people out there that are struggling to meditate i can't can't clear my mind i can't sit still for that long i think when people realize that they're actually getting a lot of benefit when they're thinking when they realize that they're thinking because how often Mm do you realize Mm -hmm. that you're thinking there's huge benefit in that so i think recontextualizing what thought means during a meditation and actually saying oh thumbs up you had a thought and you realize you had a thought that's awesome that's a moment yeah. of waking up that's going to serve you in your everyday life. And the more you do that, the more you're going to see the benefits of meditation, I think, help would help people tremendously.
0: Yeah. And I think that we also, um, you know, after you do it for a while, the thoughts that do come forward are ones that have been that you needed. You needed to think that. Mm. That was something that probably wouldn't have come to you if you hadn't made space.
1: Totally. I have some of my best thoughts yeah. uh, during and after yeah. a meditation. 100%. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: So, what else do you want our listeners to know about Expectful? Oh my gosh! About the work you're doing. The
1: first, the first thing I'd love to share with the listeners and thank you for that opportunity, Jeannie, is that mm-hmm. I'm very aware that um, a man with no children on this on this call and speaking to all your all the listeners that are out there, and mm-hmm. what Expectful is, is, Expectful was my idea, and then I very, very, very quickly surrounded myself with incredible women and Incredible Moms, and uh, created a community that we listen to very intently. So if you're thinking, how is it possible that a guy created this app for women that are trying to conceive pregnant and new moms? It's just because I had the idea and I created space for yeah. all of the insights that people with experience had to come into this. And so it's a team of five. Um, it's, so what, what the app does and is, is it's trimester-specific guided meditations that are completely contextualized to the journey that women are on. Uh, during their fertility pregnancy or motherhood journey. So, for example, if you're listening and you're in your third trimester, we have meditations that are preparing for birth and trusting your body and connecting with your baby and meditations for you and your partner to listen to that pertain to the third trimester and talk about all the changes happening uh, to help you get present and connect, Uh, sleep meditations during that time because it could be challenging to sleep at night, Uh, nursing meditations for new moms and things like that. So just totally contextualized guided meditation that really resonates with the challenges and the desires uh, and wants that women have during the whole journey um, mm. and how that got created is is uh, this amazing team uh, right now it's five of us including me uh, two of the women on the team Anna and Deanne were on our beta during their pregnancies so when I had the idea I got together with um, two hypnotherapists one of whom is, was a brand new mom and now is a mo- mother of two who still plays a very critical role in the creation of our meditation content and uh, went to them to have them create the initial meditation scripts that we used uh, to put out into our community to get feedback on to see what people were thinking. And then we took those meditations in in that beta and then we listened very intently to what our community and the small beta group that we put together had to say about it. And that's how Expectful grew. It wasn't based on what we thought people needed, but it was based upon what we heard from women who were using it, what they said that they wanted and what made their experience better. And that's how the company continues to grow. So Anna and Deanna are on the team. Anna is our amazing community guide and editorial lead. Uh, She was just so incredible. During the beta, we put together a small Facebook group. She was the most active person. Um, She was, I mean, we could see on the platform how many times people meditate. She was meditating more than anyone else. She was incredible. And so we spoke after she gave birth and she joined the team. The the platform itself uh, had just a deep impact on her life. And then there's Deanna, our head of social media, who's grown our Instagram channel beautifully was also on the beta and had a very meaningful experience during her pregnancy um and yeah so i I guess that's the thing What, what expectful is a little more insight into that and also the fact that um you know i'm i just i had the initial idea and then created lots of space for people who were in the experience of fertility motherhood and pregnancy uh interject their thoughts and experiences and feelings to create uh what is now a product that people are very big fans of that use it
0: Great.
1: Yeah. Well, um, yeah. And I'd also like to say um, anything else. I think just if you have any ideas that are coming up as real well to this or anything you want to share uh, with me, please. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very accessible. Again, my email is marketexpectful.com. Uh, and just really encourage your listeners to come check us out. See what we're about. We yeah. have a free, free trial for 14 days. If you want to try us after that, it's 19 days a month. Uh, seven out of 10 people who are on the free trial end up staying on uh, the platform, which has been amazing. And uh, we would just love love to have you uh, be part of our amazing community and uh, platform.
0: Well, great. Yeah. Well, I just have a couple more questions. Oh, for please. You before we wrap yeah. up this conversation. Yeah. And I ask everybody this one. How would you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that.
1: nobody ever told me that nobody told me the importance of being happy Hmm. nobody good one. yeah i found that it's been such a huge shift in my life Jeannie. like just understanding how i show up in the world when i take care of myself Mm -hmm. has just been such an enormous insight for me to have and so just watch how significantly my life has shifted when i focus more on being happy than being hard on myself mm-hmm. you know i i really i came from a place where i used to be incredibly hard on myself i still work a lot and, and uh hard let's say but i it came from a different place i think i used to struggle with maybe workaholism a bit mm-hmm. and to just have a get into a shift where I'm, I'm putting my happiness and my well-being before um you know like other things in my life, it's just made just yeah. such an enormous impact on me and everyone that's around me, and my ability to be effective and, and bring value to the world.
0: Hmm. that's a good fill in the blank.
1: Oh, thanks. You know, I'll share if uh, if I could to, to make it really relevant yeah. to your audience. Um, I did a workshop months ago. Um, it was like a weekend workshop, where just on how to live a better life. You know, how to get more mm. of what you want out of life. How to how to show up more. How to live a better life. And, uh, one of the exercises they took us through is they, um, they, they took, took you through your relationship with your mother and your father. And so they put you into sort of this hypnotic trance, everybody's sitting there. They have you relax all these different parts of your body and get focus on your breath. And, and then they ask you these questions and you answer out loud, right? And, an mm-hmm. uh, the exercise, they did the same questions for mother and same questions for father. And in the section, um, with mom, one of the questions was they asked, um, among others, is like, "What did you need your mother to be?" Was a question. What did you need your, mo- your mother to mm-hmm. be? Mm-hmm. And I was actually surprised myself when I answered. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Somebody asks you a question, and you're surprised by what comes out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I said, "Oh, I needed mom to be happy." Was mm-hmm. my response, mm-hmm. and that hit me so hard. That hit me so hard because, you know, I think that just would have made all the difference. It was just like a lot of. So much, there was so much struggle happening. And I think my mom felt through her life, she's the most amazing woman. about it. My mom is such an incredible woman, Jeannie. I know she mentioned, Mm -hmm. that I mentioned she struggled with anxiety and depression, but came from such adversity in her life and loved me so, so much. Like there was never anything that was ever in question during my childhood. And I'm Mm -hmm. so grateful to her. But like, just to think if my mom like found a way to be happy during my childhood, it just would have made... All the difference and i think part of the reason that she maybe wasn't as happy as she could have been is because maybe she thought she had to sacrifice some of her happiness for the family mm-hmm. you know
0: as if there's only just so much exactly
1: to go yeah like like somehow that that like the sacrifice was her way of loving you know i think mm-hmm. that's a culture that that she grew up in and it's such a power and i think that was modeled for me because that is mm-hmm. like you know it was modeled for me that sort of you it's always good to give of yourself, but I think what was modeled for me is like this giving of yourself that was like um. wasn't really a value, you know, across a certain line that wasn't really healthy. Yeah. And, you know, I just say that I think that's just such a huge thing is to like allow oneself to be happy in life and really make time for that with the realization that that is such a good thing for everybody around.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Again, the ripple effect, mm. ripple effect of happiness.
1: Yes, completely. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well then, my last question for you is this. Hmm. You can answer it any way you want. Sure. Where are you in your life, in terms of parenthood?
1: Uh, wow. Well, thanks for asking. Um, I, I'm very clear that I want to be a father. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like. I'm, I'm, fortunate. I, you know, I, I have this. I have a life where I get to travel a lot. Uh, I just came back from a festival called Burning Man. You've heard of it, and. <laughs>
0: Yeah. (laughs) And it was
1: such a a special time, you know, I had such a great time and I had to experience and explore, but I get, I've always had this feeling, I I shouldn't say always, but the past few years I've had this feeling that, you know, all these amazing experiences to get to go and do all these exciting things. It's like, there's a certain dimension that they lack, no matter how Mm -hmm. special some of these things could be. There's a certain dimension that it lacks. And I, I just have this feeling that no matter how amazing an experience I could have is, it's never going to come close to what I can experience through being a father and a mm-hmm. parent. And so it just so happens I very recently met the woman that I think I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Um, yeah, I'll share this with her. Her name's Melissa. Mm.
0: Hi, Melissa.
1: Hey, Melissa. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, it's just been the most incredible thing. I feel like uh, it's a new relationship. I, we both feel like we've known each other for lifetimes. Um, mm. and I think she, she's very clear that she wants to be a mother. She's incredibly, it's something that's very high priority in her life. And, uh, Melissa actually lost her mom when she was in her early twenties. And mm-hmm. since then it is expressed that she's had this very deep desire to become a mother herself through some experiences that she's had through, through that. And, um, so in terms of parenthood, it's something that I'm very excited to experience. And, uh, would would like to, I'm in no rush, but I would, I would like to experience that within, you know, maybe like two years. I would, I would just absolutely love to become a father.
0: Mm, you're going to like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. Mark, this has just been a really fun conversation and I hope that some of my listeners are going to hear this and go look up Expectful and then start their own practice.
1: Mm. It's
0: life changing. It really is. So thank you. Thank you for joining this conversation.
1: Jeannie, thank you for this opportunity for and for giving so many people a voice that gets transmitted to your audience. Like I'm so grateful um, on my side, but also just that you're doing the work that you're doing. It's so important to get these messages out there.
0: We've all got work to do, don't we?
1: We certainly do. We certainly yeah. do.
0: Well, thank yeah. you again. And we will talk again down the road. Okay. Our guest today was Mark Krasner, and you can learn more about Expectful at expectful.com. You can learn more about me at genefaulkner.com. and I'm going to spell it J-E-A-N-N-E-F-A-U-L-K-N-E-R.com. Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios. Uh, pick up a copy of the book, Common Sense Pregnancy, at amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, everywhere books are sold. It's probably in your local bookstore. Now, this is important. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, send us an email at info at genefaulkner.com. You can email me at jean gene at com or tweet me at Faulkner. And thank you for listening. Now, let's keep this conversation going. Bye like
1: Someone will look at me.